live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I'm not sure when there's going to be a calm, normal day in the Lamar Jackson contract saga, but I know this, that day sure as hell wasn't yesterday. We got into it yesterday, but there's even more now that we can cover up or cover with and follow up with. In case you missed it yesterday, we were talking about the fact that Lamar blasted out to the world that he wanted a trade, but he tweeted that he wanted a trade and told the Ravens as much back on March 2nd. We didn't know that. He had not said that publicly. The team had not said that publicly, but yesterday he came forth with that. He asked the team for a trade on March 2nd, and he said that he wanted that trade because, quote, the team has not been interested in meeting his value, end of quote, in contract negotiations. So in his opinion, he wants out because they won't meet his value. Again, nobody really knows Lamar's value. Nobody! Knows his value. This is precisely why the entire situation is as jacked up as it is. What Lamar really means when he says, they won't meet my value, is that they won't meet my demands. Because we don't know his value. He doesn't know his value. He just knows he's not getting what he wants, and now he wants out, as far as we can tell. Something else, as far as we can tell. Nobody else is willing to meet his, quote, value or demands. So Lamar didn't just announce that he requested a trade. That in and of itself is news. And can I say for a minute, it's just weird. It's weird. It's bizarre. He's already on the trade market by virtue of the franchise tag, the non-exclusive tag. The team has already said, go ahead, find a deal, find an offer sheet. So him asking for a trade is weird when he's already available. Anyway... What's significant about this is not that he did it, and it kind of is in a way, but what's significant is he did it at the exact moment that his head coach was at the owner's meetings expressing exactly the opposite sentiment. Whereas Lamar is saying, I want out, I don't want to be here. John Harbaugh at the very exact same time is saying, that's my guy. I love that guy. We're going to get that guy back. I can't wait to have him back. Thinking about Lamar all the time, thinking about him as our quarterback. We're building our offense around that idea, and uh, I'm just looking forward to getting back to football, and I'm confident that's going to happen. All right, so once again, you got Lamar tweeting out, hey, I asked them for a trade. I want out. I don't want to be here, in effect. Well, at the exact same time, almost simultaneously, you just heard John Harbaugh. That's my guy. Quote, that's my guy. I love Lamar Jackson. I love him. So this does not sound like the most contentious negotiation ever, right? It doesn't exactly sound like a head coach who thinks his quarterback is on the way out. Yet Lamar did ask them. He didn't sandbag them with that tweet. He said he was on record as asking for a trade on March 2nd. So what's going on here. I mean, obviously, for the Ravens to get what they want, they can't burn this guy publicly. They have to do what Harbaugh did. They have to say, we love you. I love him. I love him, Romo. I love him. I love him. For two reasons. One, in the event they can get him back, 
and two, so as not to kill whatever trade value he may or may not have. So what's going on here? Do he he's saying that he wants out, so why is that? Is it because he wants out? Or is he saying it because he knows that nobody is going to sign him to the offer sheet he wants because he knows that the Ravens are just going to match it? Or the other teams think the Ravens will match it and they don't want to waste their time negotiating with him. This is one reason why he might want out. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. In effect, I don't want to be here, so don't match the offer sheet because that's the reason I'm not getting any offers because every team knows that you're going to match. So don't. I don't want to be here. See, that may or may not be true also. This is how convoluted this whole thing is. If Jackson thinks that he's not getting an offer because he believes the team is going to match, of course he's going to say, trade me. But maybe that's not the reason he's not getting an offer. Maybe he's not getting an offer because no team wants to guarantee him the amount of money he wants. Or maybe he's not getting an offer because no team wants to guarantee him the money he wants and give him the compensation. Maybe that's what's going on here. Nobody really seems to know. But then again, if he wants that trade, I already said he's, he's already available on the market, right? But why would another team trade for Lamar Jackson? Because at that point, you know, the Ravens are going to ask for more compensation than they'd get if another team signed into an offer sheet, right? It's already going to cost another team two first-round picks. But if Baltimore were to try to trade him, they would try to get more. So another reason why he's not getting an offer sheet. I guess what I'm trying to say here, Lamar, is it's not working. It's just not working. Why would a team trade for him? It wouldn't. Unless, unless it got into a bidding war with another team for Jackson Services, and clearly that's not happening. If no teams are showing any interest, there is no bidding war. See, that's what happened with Deshaun Watson. How do you think the Browns got Deshaun Watson? Why do you think the Browns paid so much money for Watson? One, they're dumb. Two, they're desperate. And three, Watson told the Browns, you're out of the running. We're no longer considering you. And then they kind of went like all succession with it and said, yeah, well, what about this number? And he said, oh, okay, I'm in. I'm in. The difference with Lamar Jackson is there is no bidding war. So how is there a trade market for him? There's only a trade market for him if more than one team has an interest, and apparently no teams have interest. And again, this whole thing about, I want to trade. I told him I want to trade. My man, you're already available. You're already on the market. They already let you seek out other options. It's not happening. So who's going to win this thing? What about these quarterback needy teams, right? Don't these quarterback needy teams, when they look at a guy like this, how could you not consider a dude who was a former MVP in his prime who was a lock for the Hall of Fame like five minutes ago. I mean, quarterback needy teams aren't interested in this guy. Guys like that never come free and clear. Not in their prime. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is available. It's not often that a Hall of Famer is available, but he is 39. You've got Lamar Jackson in his prime. 
You have quarterback needy teams. Every team wants that face of the franchise, yet very few actually have it. If you have a chance to get that guy, don't you do everything in your power to do so? But why is that happening? Like, I don't know, say, say the Colts. Now, there is a team that badly needs a quarterback. There is a team that needs to get off that merry-go-round of adding washed QB1s every other year because they think they can win now. Even my dude Jim Ursay knows that that doesn't work. They've tried. It's blown up in their face repeatedly and spectacularly. Jimbo, Jimbo, are you interested in Lamar? Ursay was posed the question. He said, quote, now listen to this. Quote, the money is not a problem. As an owner, I do not believe in fully guaranteed contracts. I think that a percentage is one thing, but from what I've seen from the NBA and baseball, I don't see it as a positive competitively. He goes on, quote, for me, for the good of the game, boy, I don't believe guaranteed contracts would be good for our game at all, at all. I don't think they make our game greater. I think it makes it worse. So he starts off by saying, the money is not a problem. And then immediately chases that with, oh, I don't believe in guaranteed contracts. So there you have it. It's not the money. It's the money. And Jim Ursay doesn't fish on a boat. He fishes on a boat. I don't fish on boats, okay, Matt? I fish on a, on a boat. It's not the money. I don't fish on a boat. Okay, Lamar? I, don't f- I fish on a boat. I don't fish on boats, okay, Matt? I fish on a, on a boat. But that's not even the craziest thing that came from the owners' meetings yesterday. It didn't come from Jim Irsay. And I know that he's probably bummed about that. He wants to be the guy. No, it came from Bob Kraft, actually. Kraft claimed that the rapper, Meek Mill, reached out to him three or four days ago saying, Lamar wanted to go to New England. But Kraft said he defers ultimately to the hood. So I wonder if the NFL now has to send a memo out to teams to warn them not to negotiate directly with Meek Mill. Or maybe I missed that part where Meek Mill got his agent certification. Maybe Meek Mill is now registered with the NFL PA after all. Or, or maybe he's just a third partner in Lamar's, quote, entire gym. The entire gym. Remember the other guy that was negotiating on behalf of Lamar was his partner in, quote, the entire gym. The entire gym. Hey, Lamar, I know this is a really complicated situation, but if you need rappers to reach out to the NFL franchises on your behalf, maybe it's time to finally admit you need to hire an agent. In fact, there's no problem about that. I personally respect that you wanted to negotiate this deal yourself. You gave it a shot. I get that. I understand that. I didn't push back on that initially. I didn't think it was a very good idea, but I didn't push back. Yeah, well, you've tried. (laughs) You've tried for more than two years. It's not working. You do not have the hammer that you think you have. You do not have the leverage that you think you have. I'm not saying this is all on you, but what I am saying is, You're no closer to getting that deal you want. In fact, you're probably further away now than you've ever been. And that's after negotiating with the Ravens yourself for more than two years. My dude, the strategy is not working. You need to change up. However, I'm here to help. I have an idea. 
I'm not one of those guys that points out a problem without a corresponding solution. I'm here to help. Here's my idea. Let somebody else handle the negotiation. Let an expert who actually has experience in doing these mega deals do this mega deal. I know. Crazy idea, right? You know what you do? You go find the LeBron James of contract negotiations and let him do it. LeBron James. Let him do the work. Then you can focus on what's really important. Marketing and selling the entire gym. The entire gym. That's his side hustle. Man, that is music. That is absolute music to my ears. You should know by now exactly what that sound represents. That that is the very best kind of notification you could ever hear. It is the sound of another sale on Shopify. And the moment that another business dream has become a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. It doesn't even matter what you're selling. Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. I mean anything. Succulents or stilettos. Flaky salt or fine art prints. All sorts of categories. Fashion, home and garden, health and beauty. Essentially anything. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up right now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, all lowercase, Go to shopify.com slash Rome to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. Lamar, I see you working. I really do. In fact, not only do I see you working, you've inspired me to do work. I mean, I'll admit this, Lamar. I'm ripping this idea right from you. In fact, I've got myself a side project. I've got myself another side hustle. Hey, you've got a hustle now. You can't knock that hustle. I'm not sure if the suits will approve, but frankly, I'm not sure I care. Because now that I've heard this idea, it's got my wheels spinning. We've all heard about Lamar's entire gym. I've been reminding them of the entire gym. I want to document that. I want to own this, the entire gym first. Stop with the drum roll. Combining outdoor training and a portable gym okay. maximizes There's time actually and Lamar's entire routines. gym. Hey, Lamar, you're welcome, by the way, for all the free advertising. But I'm going to take that to another level. Clones, I'm here to offer you the entire jungle. Clones. That's right. Are you looking to host your own syndicated sports talk TV radio show? Do you have a whole lot to say, but you do not have a studio or the equipment to do it? Well, now you do. Now you can with the entire jungle. Now you can talk smack and host your own program with the entire jungle. 
there it is. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, there is your entire jungle. There it is. It can be yours. But Jim, I don't have a professional studio. You don't need one. Known as the jungle. You don't need one. The entire jungle is a professional media studio all in one. I know what you're thinking, but Vance Mack, with all due respect, it looks like a boombox on a dolly. You know why, idiots? That's because that's what it is. But it comes with a microphone, speakers. That's what's in. Dual tape decks, one to record and one to back up your brilliant work, and the other to play music. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Look at that boombox. CBS Sports Radio. Host your own jungle. You've always said you can do it better than me. Prove it. Here's your chance. Host your own jungle. Conduct your own interviews. Give your own hot takes about Lamar Jackson or the Final Four. But wait, there is more. Order in the next 10 minutes, and I'll throw in a second cassette full of sound effects for your very own jungle. Order now. Get a buzzer. Ah, A deca, yeah. And uh-oh. uh-oh, even a slow-mo, uh-oh. But act now, time is running out. Call in the next 10 minutes, 1-800-636-8686. Operators, and by operators, I mean Chalk and Savage are standing by. 1-800-636-8686. The entire jungle. Get it. Get it right now. Fully guaranteed. Fully guaranteed for one hour. If you don't like it, after one hour, I'll give you your money back. I guarantee it. Sounds great, Vance Mac. What's it cost? If you have to ask, you can't afford it. Just give me your credit card. The entire gym. The entire jungle. Known as the jungle. Jungle. But I ripped the idea from the entire gym. There you go. As far as the where that leaves gym. you, Lamar, hey, what can I tell you? Bottom line is this. He says he wants to trade or he wants a trade. Does he want to trade because he wants the hell out of there? Or does he want to trade because he's sending a message to the Ravens? I don't want to be here. Do not match the offer. I'm not getting any offers because everybody knows you're going to match the offer. In that case, it's actually pretty smart, except they don't have to do what he wants. They don't have to do anything, really. You clones do have to do something. You have to order the entire gym. Do it now. Hey, now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. 
reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Zach Charbonnet is my guest. He joins us via Zoom. Zach, really good to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. How you doing, Jim? Good, good, dude. Good. Good to have you. So I mentioned as a SoCal native, I'm always really interested in how the SoCal guys do. You started Oaks Christian. So because I'm a native and I grew up not far from there, I always keep tabs on the SoCal standouts. Having grown up in the area, what did it mean to you to be able to come back home and finish your college career here after starting at Michigan? Yeah, um, you know, honestly, it was a big opportunity, um, especially being home and being able to play um, close to my family, especially during that time. Um, you know, obviously, there was COVID during that time, and I want to come back home and play near my little sister, who was at high risk at the time. So, I mean, it was it was a great opportunity, and you know, I'm just glad to, to have um, taken it. I like that. And what about from a football standpoint? I've always been a huge, huge Chip Kelly guy for a lot of different reasons. What was your biggest takeaway, takeaway from playing for him, and how did he best get you ready for playing on the next level? Yeah, um, you said for playing for Foster or for Chip? For Chip, Sorry, for Chip. my bad, bit. for Chip. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, um, you know, especially playing and getting me ready for the next level, he did a great job at that, especially him and Coach Foster, um, especially with the different run schemes he had, you know. So my junior year, did a lot of gap scheme. Um, this past season, did a lot of zone scheme. And, you know, I think I have a good understanding of different run schemes and being able to fit in either one. So I think Chip did a great job, especially preparing me for the next level. So, Zach, in terms of the next level, you grew up here in SoCal, as I mentioned. I don't need to tell you, it never, ever rains here. Never. Except on your pro day in Westwood, and then it did. Despite that fact, how do you think your pro day went? And then most of all, what were you trying to show the scouts who were in attendance? Yeah, um, you know, obviously, it never rains. I mean... This past couple of months, it's raining a ton, having to shuffle out water from our garage, um, especially at home. But um, for the pro day, I mean, it was nice to have just a little bit of rain, especially being able to catch the ball in the rain. Um, you know, I know that's something we don't get a lot of, especially at the next level, playing the, um, playing ball in different elements and stuff like that. So you got to be able to play in those elements, too. So it was good to go out there and showcase that, um, especially not being around it often. Uh, you know, I think it was good for the pro day and it played in our benefits. Zach, I know exactly what you're talking about. Not in catching passes in the elements, but in getting water out of the garage, man. We had a total flood in the backyard. So I know exactly what you're talking about when it rains here. We're just not built for it. We're not built for it. The infrastructure is not built for it. Nobody's used to rain out here. So you mentioned catching passes at your pro day. Not only did you catch passes and catch them in the element, but you got them from Dorian Thompson Robinson. You two were really productive together your last couple of years. Let me ask you about him. What kind of a person and player is the team that drafts DTR going to get? Yeah, um, you know, especially being there in my two years, you know, he's made tremendous leaps and bounds in those two years, um, especially this past season. He grew a lot as a leader, and, you know, I expect him to carry that on, especially at the next level. And also, you know, you can just see his commitment to the game. You know, he's always had that, especially since I got to UCLA. Um, you know, I'm excited for him. I know whatever team's going to draft him is going to 
get a hard worker and, you know, someone that's going to take on a leadership role. Zach Charbonnet is joining us. Zach, what about the combine itself? Now, the factors that we're talking about, the elements were not factors in that you, you do it indoors, obviously, but the pressure in Indy is intense. I talk about this with players every single year. Can you kind of share what the experience was like? What was it like to go there, have that job interview, have those long days? For those who have no idea, what is the scouting combine like as a player? Yeah, you know, honestly, I think that was a unique aspect of the combine. Um, you know, you're actually there for about a week. Um, you know, it's just long days on your feet. Um, you know, you just got to be able to mentally be locked in. You know, every everywhere you go, everyone's interviewing you. Um, you know, you never know who's gonna who's actually talking to you. So that was a unique aspect of it. But you know, I think my team did a great job, especially training out here um, in Southern California. I trained up at Sports Academy. Um, Les Spellman, Taylor Ramsey, you know, I think they did. A Phenomenal job, getting me ready mentally and physically prepared for that. So, um, honestly, I wasn't I wasn't um, shocked by anything just because all the stories here from prior players that have gone to the combine. But um, you know, it was a big mental game, especially going to the combine. You know, you, you almost answered my next question. I was going to say if the days are like, and they are right, like twelve hours, fourteen hours. I mean, these are really, really long days. Is it more exhausting physically or mentally? Is it more taxing physically or mentally? Yeah, um, definitely mentally. Um, you know, you don't do anything physical until like the last day before you're leaving for the combine. So um, everything's all mental, just the long hours in the hospital, um, you know, all the meetings. It's all it's all structured around just mentally being taxing. And, you know, that's something you just got to be mentally prepared for. Exactly. Let me ask you, I've mentioned this before in years past, but it always strikes me as funny, but it's not happening to me. When you mention the long hours in the hospital, you know, what they want to know, before they throw a lot of money at a prospect like you or anybody else, they want to make sure you're medically sound, right? Well, you may go to the combine and there's nothing wrong with you, but by the time they're done pulling and tugging on everything for 14 straight hours, if you're not hurt before you go there, you probably are after. After, right honestly i think they did a better job i've heard about this in the past years but you know this past year there wasn't a lot of tugging and pulling on um you know it was really just grueling hours just at the hospital so i think they're doing a better job at that but um it definitely wasn't what i've heard from the past good i'm glad i'm glad they made that change zach charbonnet joining us so what about nfl people what was the kind of feedback you were getting what were they telling you with regard to how high you might go in the nfl draft yeah, um, especially just in terms of like where I'm getting picked. Um, you know, it's kind of all over the place. So I, I didn't pay too much mind to it. Um, honestly, I'm just going into the draft with an open mind. You know, um, I'm not going to put any expectations on myself just because, you, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know how the draft works. You don't know where you're going to go. Um, so I'm just going in with a clear mind. Um, but honestly, it was all over the place. Zach, I think that's smart. I think that's smart because there's no shortage of mock drafts. There's no shortage of people writing where this person might go or that person might go. It seems to me if you get too caught up in that, it can really get in your head and really mess with you. Do you track those things or do you try and stay away from those things? Yeah, um, honestly, I just try to stay away from them. Um, you know, I'll just wait for the day I get a call. Um, you know, that's that's when I'll finally know. So I stay away from all the media aspect and the mock drafts on, you know, I'll know when they call me. I think that's smart. It's out of your control anyway. Let me ask you this. This is the time of year when everybody's playing poker. Everybody is playing poker. Everybody plays everything close to the vest. When you were talking to teams, did you get any sense, though, that maybe somebody might be leaning towards you, somebody might be thinking you're the guy, or did everybody play it really close to the vest? Yeah, um... 
I think for the most part, you know, it's played for the best. Um, and uh, that that's really how it was. Um, I mean, I guess there's a couple teams you would think leaning towards you, but, um, you know, you really don't know. And um, I, like you said, I think they're just playing it towards the best. All right, so Zach, let me ask you this. You led the nation last season in all-purpose yardage, which reflects your versatility. You do a lot of things, and you do them well. Right now, I'd argue there's nobody in the NFL more versatile than Christian McCaffrey. That's just an argument. With running backs, when you were coming up, when you were growing up, who are some of the guys you admired most that you patterned your game after, and even some of the guys in the league right now that you respect a lot? Yeah, um... You know, just growing up, one player I watched a lot was just Adrian Peterson. You know, I just love the way he run the ball. Um, you know, his speed and his physicality and how he's able to make one cut and the aggression he plays in the game. And then in today's game, you know, I watched a lot of Nick Chubb. Um, you know, I just love the way he runs the ball, trying to make my game after him. Um, you know, so those are really the two main players that I've watched a lot just growing up. In. I get it. Seeing you and the kind of power and aggression you run with, I could see where you can make those comparisons. He is a top NFL draft prospect. He spent the last couple of years with UCLA Bruins. Let me ask you this. One last thought going out the door. You had a couple of years with Michigan. You had a couple of years with UCLA. Two very good coaches, but they couldn't be more different. What was it like playing for Chip Kelly as opposed to Jim Harbaugh? Yeah. Um, I would say just the practice aspect. Um, you know, I know Jim Harbaugh, it's a lot more physical practices, um, you know, more tackling, wrapping up, stuff like that. And then Coach Kelly kind of takes a different approach, um, you know, a lot less wrapping up. You're not really tackling. It's all just tagging off in practice. Um, so, I mean, those were really two of the main things. We're just looking at the practice aspect of it. Um, you know, that was actually a really difference, and that's something I noticed as soon as I got to UCLA. I think it's really interesting. One quick follow, Zach. It, it's different. It's just different. Is one better than the other as far as you're concerned? I wouldn't say one's better than the other. Um, you know, I, I think it's just maybe just the mentality the coaches have. I know um, Jim's always been very um, in the physical aspect of mentality, and then I know Chip's starting to try to – He's trying to make his way towards that aspect as well. So, you know, I think from my junior to senior year at UCLA, I think our team got a lot more physical, and I think they're going up from there. Um, but, you know, I would, I would say that a little bit from the practice aspect, you can tell. It's going to be interesting, right, as they move to the new conference, especially when they go to the Big Ten. We'll see how they do it. Zach, listen, really good to have you on the show. Good luck the rest of the way. I'll be very interested to see where you go in the draft. And then once we find out, once we find out where you're going to live and work, I'll look for you again. Yeah, appreciate it. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Just like every single year that this photo is taken, some of the visuals are hilarious. This is exactly the kind of gold that team content was built for. So why don't we break down some of the film? I don't even need to go into a dark room to do it. Let's break down some of the film on this show. Now, I'm not going to X and O you to death because that's not what we're about. We're not going to talk route trees blocking assignments, or anything like that. You know, we do some of that during the program, but not a ton. It's not where I live. It's not what I do. But it is where they live. It is what they do. So it's kind of funny to take them out of their element, 
and see them try and do something else. We can analyze the picture itself. I've got no problem doing that. I actually am well-equipped and well-prepped for that. And seriously, the photo never, ever disappoints. Year after year, it's like content nirvana. As soon as I saw it drop, I was just geeking. I immediately went to my phone to text Dodger Jano. DJ, 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 pick up, pick up, pick up. I'm texting her, I'm calling her. Pick up, pick up. She's like, oh my gosh, what's the matter? What's the matter? I'm like, nothing's the matter. The new NFL head coach's annual pick just dropped. And she says, oh my God, I thought, I thought something happened to one of the kids. I'm like, no, no, something more important. The NFL pick dropped. Quote, you're crazy, click. I'm like, anyway. So I thought I was pumped when I realized that this past weekend, the first episode of Succession dropped. And I was, I was. But it was nothing compared to this. Nothing ever is compared to this. So yes, while this group is one of the most exclusive fraternities in the entire world, when they get together for this annual pick, these genius, ruthless power mongers are in fact low-hanging fruit in the boiling Arizona sun for the rest of us. So with that buildup and that lead-in, welcome to the annual NFL head coaches roast. Cheers. Why don't we start front and center? The two dudes sitting next to each other were the only ones rocking shorts in the entire photo. I query you this, if you had to guess, and you haven't seen the picture, who do you think would be the only two in the entire pick rocking shorts? Well, looking at the legs on these two dudes, the last two guys who should have been rocking shorts. However, when you combine for eight Super Bowls, you can essentially wear whatever the hell you want. And that's exactly what my guy Andy Reid and The Hood are doing. They know damn well they're a cut above their peers. I mean, sure, they're old as hell. They're successful as hell. Well, The Hood used to be successful as hell, and now he's just old as hell. But either way, you show me anyone old as hell and successful as hell, and I will show you someone who just doesn't give a damn. At least not in how they look. But give it to my man Andy Reid. He did break out his formal Tommy Bahama for the pick. Even the hood himself cracked a sliver of a smile. A smile that says, no, we're no longer competitive. No, we haven't won a playoff game since 2019. And yes, we are picked to finish in last in our division. But you can still go ahead and tell me how my ass tastes. Y'all got that? And especially you, radio man. And while you're at it, you can tell me how many rings I have. All right, Hood. All right, you want to play that game? Fair enough. I will do that. I will tell you how many rings you have, Hood. As soon as you tell me how many Bacon 45, soon to be Bacon 46 has. In fact, don't bother. I will tell you myself. One more than you do, Hood. 
Here's another question, Hood. How many rings do you have since he left? Yeah, that's what I thought. None. How many does he have since he left you? That's right. That's what I thought. One. So don't tell us to look at what you've done the past 25 years. Do you believe that guy actually said that? He actually said that. When asked, well, what do you have to say to Chow Nation? What do you have to say to Patriot Nation? They're nervous. I'm looking at the last 25 years. Uh, What? Hey, Hood, miss me with that. Miss me with the what have we done for the past 25 years, especially since you're the absolute king of no one gives a damn about what has already happened. What happened to Cincinnati? What happened to nobody gives a damn about what's already happened? Or or did all that change now that you're an 8-9 team? Yeah, but thanks for showing up for the pick with an even worse attitude and look than you normally have. But as awesome as it is to be front and center, whoever organized this photo kind of did my guy Andy Reid a bit dirty. I think we all know this, right? You never stick the big guy right in the middle. He's too squished up in there. Move him to the back or at least at the end of the row so the big man can breathe. But then again, he is coming off his second world championship, so he does deserve to be front and center. He does deserve the spotlight as much as anybody. But, 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 to my point, to my point, look at Fat Mike on the other end. He's at the very end. Look at Fat Michael. Other than the fact that my man is sweating bacon grease. He looks pretty good. He looks aight. For him, he's situated on the end so he has room and doesn't have to be squished in and look any fatter than he actually is. I mean, look at my man's face. He either needs to let out some gas or Big Mike is about to go murder a toilet immediately after that photo is taken. I mean, I can read faces pretty well. And my man's face is screaming, Rhea. That Rhea. I can read faces. Moving on. Check out my dude, Mike McDaniel. Love him. Cannot get enough of this dude. You know this. I'm on record as saying at it, or saying it. Look at him. His invitation to the old white party clearly did not get lost in the mail. I think we all know a Mike McDaniel. Like every party has one. Every crew has one. Every night out has one. You're out. I mean, we all want one. We all need that guy. We need that guy. On a guy's night out, we need that guy. So you're out one night and you got this guy just calling the shots, running the show. Before you know it, you look up, it's 6 a.m. The sun is rising. Yet for some reason, your brain. Is just wired, man. You're spinning a million miles per hour. You're blasting Tiesta. You're texting the group chat, telling the boys, keep it rolling, keep it rolling. Because Mikey has got a plan. Mikey has got the means to provide. You know what I'm saying? It's 6 a.m. Who wants to go bottomless? 
He's kind of thrown off that vibe. But he usually does throw off that vibe. And I mean that in a good way. Holy crap. Look at my man, Brian Dable. Man, what a job he did. Damn good coach. Damn good coach. But my man, look at him in the back left. Look at that pick. Look at him in the back left. My dude, I know that a lot of you guys are so narrow-focused and you don't know a lot of what's out there, but there's this thing, B. There's a thing. Have you ever heard of sunscreen, my dude? Sunscreen. You're a hell of a coach, but you're not sunproof. No one is. Dude, do you have that team practicing on the surface of the sun? You know what they say about flying too close to the sun? Dude built a mansion and lives on the sun. Dude, hit that with some copper tone. He's a freaking tomato out there. Granted, his round face is now nearly as big as the sun. And it's going to absorb the heat like a solar panel. But man, that's not helping. Dude, I'll tell you a good guy. Brandon Staley. He's standing right next to you. At least ask him to hit you with some Hawaiian tropics or some Bandu Soleil. Something, man. And then let's get to the three alphas standing in the back row. Dan freaking Campbell. How about this dude? Did you know this dude was in this group? KOC. Kevin O'Connell. Robert Sala. You might think to yourself, one of these is not like the other. Campbell, Sala, O'Connell. I'm telling you, O'Connell belongs in that group. It's a big dude now. You're not beating them in a keg race. You're not beating them in a brawl in the streets. And you sure as hell aren't letting, they aren't letting you into their club. I mean, look at Sala. I mean, that dude's pretty intimidating as it is. But look at the way dude's got his sleeves rolled up. And then again, if I look like that, I would too. Although it is kind of psychotic. That said, I'm not trying any one of those guys. I'm not trying any one of those guys. Then you got Shane Steichen, Colts head coach. For those who forgot, my man looks like he sells insurance. Hey, 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 New York life guy. No need to at me. No need to cut me off. We all need insurance. Hey, man, that's a tough sell too, dude. Respect. You too, State Farms Employee of the Month. He just looks like he's one of you. Or some creepy physician. I'm not sure which one, but somewhere in between. Then you got my guy, Zach Taylor. The ultimate proud soccer dad. Positive. I mean that. That's a compliment. Quarter zip. Big smile. He gets it. Why is he so happy? He's got a great family. Why is he so happy? He's got a great quarterback. He knows how good he has it. That's why he's so happy. How about my guy, Dougie P? He got away from the crappy weather in Philly, Philly fan. No offense, but even you know your weather sucks. He got away from the crappy weather in Philly and now is living his best life down in Florida. Look at the main on this guy. That thing is eating. Golfing every day, probably. Happy hour at 10 a.m. Life is good for Dougie P. And Duval. 
Now a quick shout out to the three guys who couldn't be bothered. The three guys who didn't even show up. Mike Vrabel. Vrabes, I got you, my dude. I got you. They don't tell you when to sit down for the annual pick. You let them know if and when you're going to be there for the annual pick. And in no showing, I think that was a strong flex. You made the right decision. In fact, you know what you do? Don't even say anything. Just don't show, which is probably what you did. Respect. Frank Reich also did not show. Probably too busy drooling over that number one pick. And then Nick Sirianni. I don't know. If I cried before I lost the Super Bowl, I probably wouldn't show up either. Need some more time to let that one pass. Need some more time to have people forget about that. Never mind that Philly fan will never forget about that. So there you go. The 2023 annual coaches. My dude, Sean McVay, looks good. You know, I was at that event last week, and I told that story about Justin Fields telling me I need the lift. And then McVay got up on the podium afterwards, and he looked at me, and he goes, Hey, Rome, get in the gym. <laughs> had to laugh. <laughs> he good dude. I had a great talk with Sean McVay, and he looks great. He looks great. So he showed up well. Of course, how can he not look great? He's already got a Super Bowl. He's probably got a $50 million a year TV job if he wants it. And by the way, serious note, when I spoke to Sean McVay, we had kind of a deep conversation about reinvention and getting your energy back, getting your mojo back. He's got it all back. He sounded great. He looked great, and he sounded great. And it's reflective in the pick. 2023 annual coaches pick. I'll even say most of the gentlemen in that photo actually look pretty presentable. Even you, Big Mike. Good for you. I've got one more thought on this, but I got to get out. Hey, Avi? Nah. Let me finish the thought. You know, when you look at a picture like that, it really does start and end with Andy and Bill. These guys are the matriarchs. These guys are the OGs. The photog sets them up first and then sets everybody else around them. One guy that I do want to single out to, Matt Eberflus. Or Matt Eberflex. <laughs> Very clearly, my dude never, ever misses chest day. And there's no way that guy's going to wear a jacket over that brawn. Let's see another guy, Dennis Allen. How about Dennis Allen rocking his NFL coach's lanyard? People at the resort are probably telling him, sorry, private party, sir. Um, hello, I'm Dennis Allen, coach of the Saints. <laughs> Good one. Sure you are. And I'm Joe Gibbs, coach of the Red Commanders. No, really. I'm Dennis Allen, coach of the Saints. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm Vince Lombardi, coach of the Packers. Everybody knows that Sean Payton is the coach of the Saints. Keep moving. Keep moving. In fact, give me that lanyard. And not to pile on, but how much you want to bet that Big Mike stuffed a dozen breakfast muffins in his jacket pockets, not knowing how long that photo shoot was going to be? Those things can take a long time now. Imagine, and, and by the way, they're not bran muffins. They're chocolate chip muffins. And the chocolate's melting in the sun. And if you have a chocolate muffin, essentially you have a birthday cake. A wedding cake. In fact, that's what he did. He shoved a wedding cake into his pocket. 
because he had no idea how long that photo shoot was going to be. And then a bun cake in the other pocket. And then a cherry pie in his back pocket. Hey, you got to be ready. Preparation breeds confidence. Man, that is music. That is absolute music to my ears. You should know by now exactly what that sound represents. That that is the very best kind of notification you could ever hear. It is the sound of another sale on Shopify. And the moment that another business dream has become a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. It doesn't even matter what you're selling. Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. I mean anything. Succulents or stilettos. Flaky salt or fine art prints. All sorts of categories. Fashion, home and garden, health and beauty. Essentially anything. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up right now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, all lowercase, Go to shopify.com slash Rome to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. Brian Dutcher is my guest. Brian, it's great to have you back. How are you? Great, Jim. It's good to be with you. Good to have you, Brian. Thanks so much for making time for us. Let me ask you, and I know I speak from experience because San Diego is, in fact, America's finest city. It is a great sports town, but it's taken its share of lumps over the years. But, Brian, I've lived there, I've worked there. I know that when it's good, it is incredible as a sports town. How is the community responding to this run, and how hyped is Aztec Nation right now? We've got incredible fan support, Jim. You know that. The Ajax Arena is sold out every game. Our student section, the show, is as good as there is in the country. And the city embraces uh, San Diego State. I mean, obviously, when the Chargers left, that was tough. But the Padres have put a great product on the field right at the cusp of greatness. And now San Diego State basketball continues to win and now on the biggest stage. It is great. Brian Dutch for joining us. It is the biggest stage. Now, you've said it yourself, quote, we are a defensive first team. Everybody knows that about us. And our defense carries us, end of quote. I'm amazed at how hard you guys play defensively. Let me ask you this. Does playing elite level defense require elite talent or elite desire? It's a combination of both, Jim, obviously. Uh, we have great talent. And that's not what I want to get lost, that we're just winning because we play hard. We have great talent that plays hard. And so we really put it together at the defensive end. We're connected like five fingers on a hand. Uh, we work together, and, and we're able to get stops. And, and then if we can score enough points, we find a way to win. One more thought about that, Brian. I'm hearing what you're saying. I totally get it. But when you talk about that defensive standard that you're insisting upon, can you teach that or do you have to recruit it? Or is that also both? We teach it, obviously. But we, it's part of our culture, Jim. When we recruit a kid, we tell him, you know if you come here, you have to defend. You have to defend at a high level. And then offensively, we'll let you play with great freedom. And so when they agree to come and they don't play because they're not guarding, we, we can go back and say, we told you that before you came here. This is what it is. You agreed to this. 
And so we get great buy-in. It's not like we get them here and then tell them they have to play defense. They know what it is, and then they like the freedom they get to play with offensively. We're talking San Diego State basketball. Brian Dutch was the head coach there. Hey, Brian, you're not going to make it about you. You never will, but I want so I will. So I'll do it for you. You spent nine years as an assistant coach with Steve Fisher at Michigan, 18 more years with him at San Diego State before you finally get this shot to take over the program. Given the journey that you traveled, what is it like to be in the Final Four after all that time, all that work, all the sacrifices? It's it's really gratifying, and it's not only for me, Jim. I, I'm not a guy that sees that, obviously. I'm happy for our staff. I'm most happy for our players. And I've had a chance to go. I went three times with Coach Fisher. So I embraced every one of them. And you never know if you're ever going to get to go back. And now that we get to go back, I'm just happy for our team getting to experience something that nobody usually gets to experience. Hey, Brian, you had a chance to go, and then you had a chance to go. And what I mean by that is you did go. In 1989, you went to the Final Four with Steve Fisher, and you were a part of that Fab Five era. And you had a lot to do with that, by the way. You were a great, great recruiter then. You are now. Safe to assume you could have left San Diego State for your own head coaching opportunity at some point. Why did you never do that? I was just always happy with where I was at. You know, obviously I wanted to be a head coach, and everybody's path is different. I tell that when assistants come and go, that you have to choose your own path, and this is the path I chose. I know how hard a business it is, and if I wanted to require uh, retire in this business, I had to make wise choices. And so uh, the best opportunity for me was just to stay here, especially once they named me coach and waiting, that I had the, uh, uh, the, the knowledge that when coach did retire, whenever that was, I was taking over something that I helped build him, build with him. We're talking San Diego State basketball. Brian Detcher, my guest. So you shouted out to Steve Fisher after your Elite Eight win. Given the time you spent with him, what has he meant to you both personally and professionally? I mean, a tremendous mentor and a tremendous friend, you know. And I always said with Coach Fisher, they always asked me what his greatest quality was. And I always said in a world of talkers, he was a great listener. And so hopefully I become a better listener over my years of being a coach. So let me ask you this. How huge of a kick is he getting out of this run? Oh, he's loving it. Loves every minute of it. This is the vision we sold when we came here, you know, 25 years ago, that this was a possibility. And now to see it happen, uh, they weren't empty words. They weren't empty promises. We truly believe in our hearts that we could build a program here that was worthy of making a Final Four. Hey, Brian, listen, it is America's finest city. There have been some really good players there, but what did you guys see? Frankly, what did you see 25 years ago in that program? What made you believe that this, in fact, could become the reality that it is right now? Because it's a great university. We have great facilities. Viejas Arena had just been built, uh, and so we had an arena that would attract players. We were in great recruiting territory the Inland Empire, down the road from L.A., that we had recruits that were drivable distances from our campus, and that uh, we believed that, that uh, we could convince enough good players to come here and buy in. And that's what happened. That is what happened. Brian Dutcher joining us. So, Brian, March. Is March for really good coaches or is March for really good players? I've always said March is for players. Coaches, we have to put them in a position to win. But whether you win or not, is based on those one-shining moments, the players that step up and make plays on the biggest stage and marches for players. So what about those players? I've always wondered, Brian, the guys that are willing to step up, the guys who want the ball, the guys who want the shot, the guys who want that big stage, is that a product of preparation or are they hardwired for it? Where do those guys come from? It's just in their nature. It's 
how they've come up. It's the work they've put in. Darian Trammell was struggling, you know, scoring the ball. And I'd like to say, oh, I did this and that to help him out of that slump. All he did was believe in himself more than anybody else, and he didn't shy away, and he started shooting that ball. He didn't care what I wanted. <laughs> he felt he was going to make it. And so uh, a credit to Darion for, for being tough-minded and just being ready for his moment. So it sounds like you didn't need to tell him to keep shooting. He just knew. Oh, he, he was going to shoot it whether I told him to shoot it or not. I might have told him not to shoot it and he was going to shoot it. And that's what good players do. You know, so sometimes they overcome coaching to be great. That's awesome. Brian Dutcher joining me for another moment or so. So how good does it feel to know that as a head coach, you've got seven or eight dudes that can either get you a critical bucket or a critical stop or both late in any game, regardless of how big the stage is? Yeah, our depth is our strength. We go nine deep. Everybody plays 20-some minutes a game. And we never know who's going to be the guy on a given night. Maybe we start Matt Bradley and he's rolling all game and we ride with that. Maybe he's having a tough night, and Micah Parrish comes in and goes for 14 in the first half. And then we play that group. Whatever one's rolling is the one in at the end of the game. And so every game is different. That makes it a challenge as a coach, but it's kind of fun to see which group is playing the best and then ride that group at the end of a game. Let me ask you, it makes it tough, makes it challenging for you as a coach, but do the guys themselves do, I mean, they want to be the guy, but do they care who the guy is? Are they selfless like that? Yeah, everybody wants to play a deep bench, but most of the time you're massaging egos when you do. This team has bought into that concept. Uh, uh, they want to win more than anything else. And I'm not going to say people don't get frustrated. Yeah, you want to be in all the time. But they're willing to accept that with this team and embrace it, and that's why we've been so good because everybody's willing to accept that we're nine deep and it might not be their night every night. All right, so a final thought. When you watch, and what a great matchup. This is a fascinating matchup. When you watch FAU on tape, what jumps out at you, and what is your biggest concern in matching up with them? They're the winningest team in the country. They've got more wins than anybody. Uh, they're deep as we are. They go nine or ten deep. They're playing. Nobody's playing over 26 minutes a game for them. And so it's two teams that are deep, that have bought in to being deep, and it'll be a heck of a matchup. Hey, Brian, one thought. I know you're not playing one-on-one with Dusty May, and I understand what you just said about March being for players. Now, what can you say about a guy who is in charge of a program that had never won an NCAA tournament game before this year and is in the Final Four? I mean, it's so hard for me to even get my mind wrapped around that. What do you think about that achievement? Just an incredible achievement by what he's done this year, a greatest season in the program's history. And this is, this is what our path has been. Everyone talks about our path. Charleston, the greatest season in the – in the school's history. Furman, the greatest season in the school's history. And now Florida Atlantic, the greatest season in the school's history. So you're, we may not all be blue bloods, but we've got good teams that care and want to win. Yeah, that's the absolute truth, right? I mean, is there, do you believe in things like fate, destiny, the, the universe, or only in matchups? And who's in front of you? A lot of it's matchups, but it's like you said, Jim, we talked a minute ago, it's all about players. You know, not shying away from the moment, not being afraid of the moment, being fearless. And that's what I said to the guys in Louisville. That's what Muhammad Ali said. Confidence, confidence. It's all about being fearless. And we're playing fearless, and so are they. All right, so leave me with this thought, though, Brian. It's, it's all about being fearless, but you can't be fearless unless you do the work, right? Or can you? No, you have to put the hours in. You know, these kids put hours in. We work long hours as coaches, but they work long hours in the gym long after we've gone home. Uh, trying to perfect their trade, their shot, their ability to uh, make timely free throws. And uh, they've earned their march 
uh, moment. And so I'm just so happy for the players in every program that gets to experience it. Um, yeah, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for San Diego. It's great. It's all a great, great story. San Diego State's won 32 games. They had a great running conference, and they're in the Final Four for the first time. Brian, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you making time in what is obviously a very busy week. Good luck this weekend. Thanks for having me, Jim. The Ump Show is in midseason form already, which actually is not good news at all. It's horrible news because it means that the umps are already doing a terrible job and blowing it at the worst possible times. And most importantly of all, as always, making it all about themselves. Because we all know that everybody shows up to a Major League Baseball game to see the ump show. Nobody is more confident of that fact than the stars of that show, the umps. Don't believe me? Ask Randy Rosenberg, a.k.a. And by the way, if I know his name, that's a problem. If I know Randy Rosenberg, that's a problem. And I follow this. If you know Randy Rosenberg, that's one of the biggest problems ever. Because you don't follow this. You're not paid to follow this. A.K.A. the dude behind the dish for the Phillies preseason game yesterday. Who decided to get all butthurt for no reason. And run. J.T. Realmuto. For one of the most absurd reasons you're ever going to see. Like I've seen some idiotic moves by the umps starring in the ump show. I have never ever seen anything like this. Kimbrough says, I don't like that call. Now, here's the action right here. And the umpire felt like Remilto took his bum out of the way. And I, I think Remilto didn't sense that the ball was on its way, so he just figured the umpire was throwing it back to the mound. Now, on the prior exchange, the umpire threw it out to Kimbrough. So, all right, you don't feel the ball. Get yeah. nestled into your glove. So he wasn't even looking back at the umpire. He just pulled his glove down. All right, so that's exactly how that sounded. Those guys did a good job of describing what happened. But in case you missed that, the ump seriously thought that JT pulled a, quote, too slow Psych. on him and intentionally yanked his mitt away when the ump was trying to give him a new ball, so he snapped and he ran the dude. Never mind that that was actually, that what actually happened was incredibly obvious. Everybody knew it. Even the broadcast crew was all over it. It was really clear. JT thought the ump was throwing the fresh ball straight back to the pitcher as he had a second earlier. So the catcher pulls his mitt back thinking the ump is going to throw the ball to the pitcher. Except the ump this time was going to put the ball in the glove, but the glove had been pulled back. Bad timing. That's all. It happens. Yeah, it happens. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's a miscommunication. But of course, Blue took it personally. Of course, Blue thought that was some kind of an insult. Of course, Blue thought that the catcher was showing him up by ripping the glove away before he could drop the ball in it. Of course, Blue was not going to be shown up like that and insulted like that and made to look like that in public. 
Of course Blue was looking for a reason to snap and call attention to himself and make it all about him and enforce his authority and save the day by kicking out the big, mean, big, bad guy from spring training for showing him up the way he did. Never mind that JT had never been ejected from any game ever in his entire career. He said as much afterwards, quote, first time I was ejected, it was a soft way to get thrown out. Listen, I'm a high school baseball dad. Both my kids have played high school baseball. I've seen it all. I've seen some of the worst umpires ever. I don't get too worked up about it because we're lucky to have umpires. They probably make eight bucks a game. They're out there trying. I've seen some bull crap now. Some high school bull crap from behind the plate. And I've got a son who's a pitcher. So believe me, if anybody wants to take it personally, it's me. Especially the way Logs got lit up yesterday. Tough day. Anyway, I've seen high school bull crap behind the plate. I've never seen that. Never seen that. That was the worst ejection ever. The softest ejection ever by the softest umpire ever. I've never seen a softer way to get run out of a game. And I don't even care if the game didn't count. That's neither here nor there. He literally ran the catcher for pulling his glove back when he was going to drop the ball into it. Psych. And then the catcher didn't even do it as a joke. He just thought that the ump was going to throw the ball back to the bump. The catcher didn't even know what the hell was happening. Until Blue nearly threw his back out running JT from the game. How great would that have been? Afterwards, the crew chief actually had the brass to try to defend Rosenberg saying, quote, Did Randy act hastily? No. No, I believe Randy felt like the situation warranted an ejection, and that's what he did. End of quote. Yet, thanks for nothing, crew chief. Of course he felt like the situation warranted an ejection. That's why he ran the dude. Tell me something I don't know. Quote, did he act hastily? No. He just ejected a guy for removing his glove when he tried to put a ball in the glove, but he didn't act hastily. It might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He ran the dude on a misunderstanding, then got all up in his feelings about that misunderstanding, but he didn't act hastily. This is kind of lame, but go to the dictionary. Look up the word hastily. There's a gigantic photograph of Rosenberg. Him running JT from the game, man. Not not only did he act hastily, he acted stupidly. I mean, come on with that. And honestly, even if JT did, even if he did pull the too slow move on the ump, intentionally in a spring training game who the hell cares that would have been the best thing about that spring training game but you're gonna run dude for that you're really going to throw a temper tantrum for that 
Man, the ump show. The ump show is so out of hand. Obviously already in midseason form and obviously gripping harder than ever. You know why? You know why? Because they know the robo-umps are hanging over all of them. These dudes all know that they're on the way out. They all know, like all of us, AI, they all know that we're all on the verge of becoming obsolete. That's why they're gripping it so tightly. That's why crap like that is getting all up in their nerves and feelings. Keep it up, um show. Keep it up. Keep it up. Then none of us will ever have to deal with the ump show ever again. Then none of us, quote, will ever come to the yard to see any of you ever again because there will be none of you ever again if you keep running guys over stupid things like that. Kimbrough says, I don't like that call. Now, here's the action right here. And the umpire hey, felt baseball, like Remilter took his bum out. Hey, baseball, can we not go back to the good old days? The good old days. The kinder, gentler times when baseball was fun, when baseball was known for firing bat kids, firing bat boys, firing bat girls. Can we not just go back to the good old days of last week when we used to fire bat kids to improve the game? Mike in Hartford. Good to have you. Mike, how are you? Hey, Jim, thank you so much for calling. I want to shout out, man. You've been a big UConn supporter. I'm not a UConn alum, but I'm just kind of in the area here about them locally. But, Jim, I, I just can't believe this program doesn't get more credit as a blue blood, especially since 1999, Jim. Four titles since 1999, and with the fifth, they'll tie Duke. And the only trail, UCLA with 11, Kentucky with eight, North Carolina with six, and then boom, right there, Duke with five. So UConn will be in that company, Jim. Why don't they get the love, the blue blood love, especially since 1999? I think that's fair. Mike, first of all, I want to be very clear about this. No hedge, no qualification. They're straight up a blue blood. They are. They are. Good night now!